Stacy. So, I'm excited that we get a chance to continue our time together uh, during this Christmas season, going through our uh, focus of this particular series called A Promise Kept. And don't you know that God keeps his promises? So, um, as we do, we're going to be uh, specifically today talking about Christmas through heaven's eyes. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you that we have already had opportunity to gather together and to worship you from the depths of our heart, O oh God. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. I ask that you would open our eyes as we go through your word, that we will truly see your perspective from heaven's eyes, what Christmas was all about. Oh God, we bless you. We are alert to you. We are attentive to you, and we give you our undivided attention in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Well, about 735 years before the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the promised one, there was a prophet named Isaiah, and he had an, an incredible prophecy. It's kind of our theme uh, verse for the rest of this month. But it goes like this. For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. So we're going to continue each week and unpack a different part of that verse that I think you will find uh, especially helpful. But today, we're going to unpack the part that says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and here we go, the government will be on his shoulders do you know what it's like to carry the weight of something heavy? There's something that is weighing on you. There's something that you're holding. The, the shoulders are the strongest part, and that's where we can carry the greatest burdens. But maybe you're troubled, or you're tired, or you're discouraged in some area. And here it is, Christmas season, and yet you find yourself... Troubled. Do you remember what it was like to carry the weight? Um, maybe if you're a, a young person, um, if you, or even young like me. Um, and you remember those days of playing ball, and you remember those days when uh, it's the end of the game, and you, you've come to this point, and you're at the foul line, ready to shoot the winning or losing two points. And all that weight and all that pressure is on you and you feel it. I remember a time also when I was in, um, I played tennis in high school and uh, college. And, and in, a, in a doubles match, you know, you're, you're at the final match point And I'm about to take the serve from a superior player with all due respect to me or what I've accomplished or not accomplished. They're superior to me. And I'm taking that match-winning point. That's a weight. Maybe you're the, you've had the pressure of being the breadwinner of your family, 
and you have this big proposal and it better get accepted or you don't have a job. Or maybe you have to hit this deadline or you don't have a job. And that's just the reality of life and the weight of life. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom or a single mom and you're outnumbered by all these children with their needs. And you just feel it. You know, each of you have those things that you've carried a weight and maybe are carrying it going into this Christmas season. But Jesus carried the weight on his shoulders of government that was being prophesied about him coming. He's going to carry the weight of government. The truth with God is that we do carry our sin and that sin separates us from God. The reality is that without receiving Jesus as our absolute leader and Lord, we are sunk. How's that for clarity? Uh, you know, it's, it's always important to know exactly where the edge is. And the edge is, if we are carrying our sin to the grave, we're sunk. We need a Savior. We need a Redeemer. We need a way out of that. And we're sunk without Him as our leader and Lord. But this scripture says that Jesus was born to carry the government upon his shoulders. Now, at the time, um, people had a different view of what that meant. They thought that what it meant was, oh, thank goodness, the Messiah is coming and he's going to deliver us from this Roman occupation. We talked the other day about what it must be like to be in a country that is occupied by another government. And fortunately, we have not had that happen on our mainland here in the United States. But they had it, and they were looking for a deliverer. And actually, the government they were looking for deliverance was those oppressors, the Romans. God had bigger plans in mind. Hear the word government is actually referring to an authority structure. An authority that dealt with not just the natural world, the Romans, but also the supernatural world, the world of the unseen. He came to earth to buy back, to redeem a fallen creation of humanity. So God's purposes were big. And God's purposes had everlasting ramifications. In other words, it's difficult for us to, to get our arms around the words everlasting and eternal. Because we are finite. Our thinking is finite. Our, if you live long enough, you've been around some death. So our lives have an end on this planet, planet in what we see. And yet God's talking to us about the forever stuff. Hard for us to get our handle on. And yet that's what he wants to do. Do you ever wish, now that I've laid all that out, to lay your burdens down? Have you ever just wished to lay your burdens down? All of them? Have you ever wished that you could encounter someone who had the authority and the means 
to take that off your shoulders. And you know what that is. I don't know what the that is for you. But you know what the that is for you. And sometimes we need God. We need somebody with authority and ability to deliver on what they say to actually help us shoulder our burdens. Isaiah 22.22 says, I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. And what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. This is another prophetic um, uh, point that Isaiah is putting out there about this Messiah, about this promised one, about this one of hope, who we discover later his name is Jesus. But he's putting it out there and he says, this particular person that I'm talking about, he actually opens things that nobody can shut and he shuts things that nobody can open. And this is a big deal because in these prophetic words, there could be whatever disasters coming and he can open a way. Have you ever had God open a way for you where it really didn't seem like it would happen and suddenly it happens? I mean, have you ever had uh, a, a sure, I mean, it was sure problem about to erupt in your face and God closes it and it doesn't happen? He is the God who has the power, not just then when he was, when Jesus was born in Israel 2,000 years ago. He has the power now to affect these situations. This Jesus would come into the world of humans. He had the authority and quite frankly, he had the accountability to deal with the stuff that God sent him to deal with, which is basically the separation factor that we had with God. And also other things. Sometimes we think that salvation is exclusively about what happens after we die on earth, and it includes that. But it's not limited to that. There is a power and an authority that Jesus wants to deposit upon your life to impact this world while you're here for his glory. There is an authority he wants to give. He wants to nail shut issues that need to be nailed shut in your life. He wants to open up opportunities that need to be opened so that his kingdom is advanced. Genesis 7:11 uh, talks about when Noah was 600 years old. Hmm, I know what it feels like to be my age. Anyway, when he was 600 years old, was the time that they, everything was loaded onto the ark and God shut the door. And at age 600, the massive waters came from the rains were open and it says from the springs of deep were open. And it just flooded the world because the world was under judgment, because God said, enough, enough. And for 40 days and 40 nights, this water from the ground up and from the sky down just came and flooded the entire world. Interestingly, every civilization reports a flood 
It's really interesting. I have this really cool um, thing that shows me this big chart. It's about this wide and this tall. And it shows, you know, Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity, um, Muslim, other religions of the world, other civilizations of the world. And they all have this little crease where there was a flood. The flood is indisputable. And this flood came and the water stayed on the earth 150 days before it finally receded enough to open the door. God opens things, the flood waters, and he closes them off. Number 16, 31, 32 speaks of the sin of a group of people that did something wrong and it so offended God that he literally opened the ground, swallowed them, swallowed their families, swallowed their possessions, and closed back over the top of them. Grounds don't open like that and they don't close like that. But God said, enough. Numbers twenty two twenty eight talks about God opening the mouth of a donkey. And he spoke like a human. Can you imagine that? I mean, I have a dog. Her name's Sophie. And, and Sophie and I talk to each other. Now you're really wondering about me, aren't you? And it, and it goes something like... Ready? Everybody, let's practice Sophie talk. Uh, Very good. So at any rate, Sophie and I talk. She may know what she's saying. I have no clue what I'm saying. But at any rate, it's not the same as Balaam and his donkey who opened his mouth. And I can't even imagine what happened when he started talking. Matthew 3.16 talks about uh, Jesus being baptized and God opened the heavens. What in the world would that be like? And the Spirit of God descended like a dove on Jesus. Talk about something that opens, that can't really be opened. Heaven. Matthew 7, 7 through 8 speaks of Jesus talking to his disciples. And he says, "Just he's talking to them about prayer. Just ask me. Seek me. Knock. And I'll give you the answer. I'll open the answer up to you. There are things that God closes. Like I said about closing off the rain and the floods coming. There's a closure time. There was a specific closure time 40 days after it opened up and started. Or Daniel uh, talks, uh, you know the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Does most everybody know that story? Lion's Den, three of you know that. That's amazing. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you about that story because most of you don't know the story. So at any rate, in Daniel 6, what happened is, first of all, who keeps a lion's den? And why would you keep a lion's den? Is it like for pets? No. It's because that king wanted to instill fear in people that they would obey whatever he said. And so he has this lion's den loaded with lions that just get kept alive a little bit, you know, to make sure they stay hungry. And so here comes this, a bunch of jealous 
governmental leaders who didn't really like the fact that Daniel had clear insight to the king. And so they kind of came up with a little sly way of getting Daniel in big, big trouble. And at the time when the king made an edict, it, it, he wasn't able to take it back. He couldn't just change the law, the law of the Medes and Persians. He just, he just when he said it, it to happen. And so he said, if anybody, he, the, the jealous guy said, hey, king, if, if um, people don't just bow to you and, and look to you, then, um, you know, they need to be dealt with severely. And they knew all the time that Daniel prayed three times a day. And so, sure enough, Daniel praying. And, he, and they said, King, somebody didn't obey the rule. Shouldn't we punish him? The king says, yes. And he says, good, it's Daniel. And he says, oh, no. The king was actually kind of freaked out about that. Says that in here, freaked out. Anyway, um, so the king was really upset, but he had to follow his own law. And so he take, has Daniel taken and thrown into the lion's den. And he's worried about this. He didn't even sleep all night. And then we come to this part of the story in chapter 6, verse 19. And at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, he called out to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, because he really was, he wasn't a server of Daniel's God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? He's not even a Jewish believer. But he's been the recipient of all this wise counsel from Daniel. Daniel's one of his counselors. And he goes and says, has your God been able to rescue you? And I just want to tell you, there are people around you who don't serve your God. But they're actually rooting for you. They're actually hoping there is a God. They're actually hoping there is someone who can deliver you from the hardest conflicts you run into. Because if he will deliver you, maybe he'll help them. And so the king knows that Daniel's big into serving his God. And he runs there and he says, Daniel, has your God been able to rescue you from the lions? Verse 21 says, Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. God sent an angel to take something that naturally should not happen, a lion shutting its mouth. When God shuts something, it's shut. When God opens something, it's open. And to make his point abundantly clear, we'll just read the rest of the story real quick since this is not the main part of my message. Y'all just wanted to hear it, so I thought I'd tell it to you. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. 
And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted his God. Will you trust God? In the middle of your problems, when there seems no answer, will you trust God? Will you believe he is mighty and able? And honestly, I got to tell you, here's what I think most of you think. I think he's mighty and I think he's able. But will he do it for me? That's really the question. Will he really care about me? And I'm just telling you, he will. He will. He is mighty and he is able and he will do it for you. And they looked at him and there was nothing. Kind of reminds you of another thing with some guys in the book of Daniel that went into a fire and came out and didn't smell like fire. But here we have, went into a lion's den and no wounds are found. Verse 24, in the king's command, no, at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in, thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children, and before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. I guess I have two things to say. One, the lions were hungry. Um, aggressively hungry. They just had one person to gnaw on and he didn't get gnawed on, but here comes a bunch of people and they, they just, before they even hit the ground, their bones were broken. Number two, and this is important. I, I, I take this kind of stuff really seriously. The wives and children went in there. What does that mean? You tell you what it means to me. It means there's consequences for my sin. There's consequences when I mess up. There's consequences when I deliberately go against God. There's consequences. And other people are going to pay them. And I don't want my wife and kids to pay them. I don't want you, my church, to pay that. We are in a lot more things together than you think we are. And God is always after our hearts. So, on the shoulders, whoops, on the shoulders of Jesus has been given all authority to open ways and close other ways. The government has been placed upon Jesus. And on his authority, on his ability, on his shoulder, he has the ability to open ways to accomplish his purposes in and through you. And to close ways that are coming against the purposes of Almighty God. And the more I study the Bible, the more I'm convinced that God wants to show his power through you. And 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 through me. And through you. And I could go through the whole room here. I am convinced that God wants to show his power through you and I. He wants to see a world who, honestly, is on a path that is not going to end well. 
He wants to show that world that there is real power and it's through him. And he's using a common, ordinary person like you and me to accomplish his person, to display his power, to display his glory, to display his ability to deliver us from all our problems. I could go on, but you get the point. As we celebrate Christmas, God sent his son into the world to put supernatural governmental power on the shoulders of Jesus to open up areas of your life and to close other areas. Do you need that kind of supernatural intervention today? Some of you actually see that perhaps what you're doing isn't getting it by your own ability and you do maybe need a supernatural intervention by an almighty God? Do you feel in some ways perhaps disconnected from God? Uh, Are your burdens getting too heavy this Christmas season? Maybe they need to be offloaded onto Jesus. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And so from heaven's eyes, Christmas is about a changing government. In the unseen world of angels and demons, in the seen world of humans, in the interactions between humans and God. Salvation for humanity is part of why God gave the Christmas gift. In heaven's eyes, Christmas is also about God coming to earth as a man-child. And living life in humanity like us. Dealing with all the temptations and issues and problems that you and I do. And growing up through them. So that he truly knows what this life we are doing. And he lived a perfect life. Christmas brings joy to a hurting world. Maybe even your world. I was praying last week about our Christmas series, and I asked God, so if you spoke in the pulpit Sunday, what would you want us all to know about Christmas? And so here's what I believe Father God would speak to us about how he views Christmas's gift to you and I. In the beginning, I made heaven and earth. I made everything visible and invisible. And then I made humanity in my image and I breathed life into them 
Unfortunately, humans decided not to follow me or my ways, but to break my trust and way of living. That self-centered living pattern still exists today. And so I refused to be connected to a creation that doesn't honor me for who I am, God and Lord of all. So I banished them from my presence. I gave them my standards to obey. If they wanted to get reconnected to me and live forever with me instead of living in another place that I created for fallen angels that rebelled against me. That place is the eternal fire separated from me forever. Remember, this is my world not yours I do what I want but I'm always good always right always pure I am holy unlike anyone else my love is unmatched and I desire to make a way for humanity to be reconnected. But my holiness requires humans to be holy also. And you are not. So I sent my beloved son into the world out of heaven. And I sent him as a baby he grew into a man and lived a perfect human life without any sin and then I punished him for the sins of all humans that he would save those who would call on him as their supreme leader and lord And as a father, father, with only one son, Jesus, my heart was broken. But it was the only way to reconnect sinful humanity with me. It was the great exchange. My son's righteousness in exchange for your sin. And he was crucified. Dead. And buried. But he resurrected to life again. And after he was seen by 500 witnesses, he came back to me in heaven. 
He accomplished everything for those who connect with Him. He did this for your adoption into His family. You now live from a position of victory and are not merely striving to be victorious. So you want to see Christmas through my eyes? There you have it. Where are you with Jesus today? Where are you with Jesus today? What are you going to do with Father God's Christmas gift? You see, any response, including no response, is a response, is a decision. God views it as a clear decision on yours and my part. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for the reality and truth of your word that what you say out of your voice is 100% expected to occur because you are God. This is your world, Lord. You've made that clear to us. This is your creation. This is what you sustain day in and day out. And the day you choose not to sustain it is the day it's over. And so, Father God, we just humbly, all of us, including me, Lord, we humbly come before you. And we thank you for your amazing gift of the promised one, the Messiah, Jesus. And I thank you that 700 years ahead of sending your son so that we might know your word is true. You had Isaiah prophesy about, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And I thank you that you chose to put your government upon his shoulders. And I thank you government covers all unseen worlds and the world in which I see and my friends here see. And God, we don't want to make a decision because of our indecisiveness. Nor do we want to make a decision that we hope works. Lord, we want to make a decision for your son. Because in the end, it's not a matter of what we meant or what a matter what we thought. In the end, it's only what you say. And Lord, you've been clear on what you say. And we have to audit our heart and audit our life according to what you have already said, not what we think. Not what we even believe, but what you say. And so, Father, if there's anyone here that has not connected with you as the leader of their life, I ask that you would begin, Lord, pounding on their heart. I ask, O Holy Spirit, that your kindness would prevail and they would be able to hear your call that today is the day of their salvation. Today, 
is their day. And so if anyone here does not know for sure that they have asked and received Jesus as the leader of their life, would you just raise your hand and I'll pray for you today? For those of you that are burdened and troubled today, I got good news. You've already heard it. The good news is the government is upon his shoulders and you are in his heart. And you don't have to carry those troubles alone. You don't have to carry those problems, those opportunities unseen, those problems that are holding you back. You have a burden bearer and his name is Jesus. And so, Father God, I pray for everybody in this room, everybody watching online. Lord God, I come to you in the only way I can come to you in the name of Jesus. But I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I ask, oh, Father, that this morning you will help my dear friends and I grasp that you truly have the government on your shoulders. And what you open, nobody can hold shut. And what you shut, nobody seen or unseen can open. And so, Father God, we just come now and I pray your blessing of deliverance upon my friends, some of them here with addictions and sinful habits that need to be broken by your great sledgehammer power. And so I speak destruction to the things that have been holding you back from an authentic move of his spirit in your life. And I speak the life of Jesus over the areas that you have allowed death to prevail. Father God, I ask your blessing upon everyone gathered here today. That just as we honored you with our voices and the meditations of our heart earlier, Lord, and with our attention today to your word, God, I just ask for the blessing of your Holy Spirit to cover this entire place. The troubles will be lifted from the truth, not from hope, not from wish, but from the truth. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I believe as I was looking at you guys, I like to look at you right in the eyes when I kind of speak. I believe a lot of you heard something from Holy Spirit. Hopefully not me. Hopefully the Holy Spirit. That you were supposed to hear. That you were supposed to do something with. And I just... Uh, encourage you to be doers of the word I've learned in life I've lived long enough to know it's not what I know it's what I do that matters and God wants to empower your doing you know in this Christmas season we have a couple weeks left um, next week we're going to deal with the subject of him as a wonderful counselor do you have some direction you've been seeking from the Lord and you haven't been hearing yet do you have some 
answers that you have not been able to figure out. Next week, we're going to talk from his word about him as our wonderful counselor. And I just encourage you to uh, bring somebody with you who might be stuck in life and uh, let them receive also. We're going to have several prophetic teams up here um, at the end of the service next week and really ask God to speak to us, to speak to you, and uh, really be able to help propel you forward maybe in areas that you have not been able to see that. You've been stuck or you've been hesitant. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. So um, may God bless you. Have a wonderful week. If we can serve you with some personal prayer, then feel free to come on up. And uh, otherwise, bring a friend next week. See you next week. God bless you.